Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Please be seated. Last night, my wife and I got in yesterday afternoon. We checked into the Hampton Inn around over on 441 where we spent the night. We had a great dinner. Uh, with Mark and Tara at the Goblin Market, and uh, sumptuous, more than I probably should have eaten. And I, this morning, I walked into the bathroom and I closed the door, and there printed on the, uh, the sliding door was this. Today is a good day for it to be a good day. And when I thought about that, I thought, yeah. So, but what, what makes it a good day? A good day. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, a good day is when I have the opportunity in some way or another to see God at work. That's actually the thing that excites me more than anything else. Now, seeing God at work does not mean God doing what I think he ought to do. You see, that means I'm in charge and God has to do my bidding, and it doesn't work that way. He's the shepherd, we are the sheep, so we do what he says. But I'm, and I'm often surprised at what it is that God chooses to do. It may be what I wanted, it may not be what I wanted at all, but the fact of the matter is, is that God is in charge, and in a way that actually is kind of fun, try to keep up with what it is that he is doing. In other words, my function, my role, and I'm not just speaking as a bishop, as a Christian, my function And my role is to be available for what God wants to do in and through a day. And he's the one that gets to decide what that is. That's really in some ways what the lessons are about, particularly that sense of surprise. I mean, look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a a member of, in essence, the aristocracy of Israel. He was the son of a priest And his job was to basically inherit the responsibilities of his father. Because in that day and age, what sons did was they did what their fathers did. And so that was his expectation, and he knew it. And he was, in fact, being groomed to step into that position. So when the word of the Lord came to him when he was quite young, I don't know, middle school? And, I, and the Lord says to him, I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. There was nothing that would have prepared Jeremiah for that word. Remember his response is, uh-uh, I, I, I'm only a boy. And the Lord will have none of it. Don't say I'm only a boy. I'm going to have you do this and this and this. And then he touches his mouth to give him what he needs to be able to do it. The same is true for in the book of Hebrews. You see, the book of Hebrews is written to a group of converts, people who had practiced the Jewish faith and had come to faith in Jesus Christ. But because of the persecution that they were receiving, they would draw from the Christian faith and go back to the safety of Judaism. And so all of the book of Hebrews is, in fact, a comparison and a contrast of what life was like, as it were, under the Old Covenant, 
versus what life is like under the new covenant. And that's the contrast that's even being painted in the lesson this morning. And so, and what he's trying to do is say, don't forget what it is that you have inherited. This is the new thing, and God is at it. And it's so much better. What did you know? What you knew was, in fact, the giving of the law, that when it came about on Mount Sinai, it was so terrifying for everyone. And he quotes Moses, I am, and this is like the man of God who had been alone with the Lord before. I am utterly afraid. He said, no, no, under this dispensation, you're a part of a supernatural family that encompasses both heaven and earth. It talks about angels and the spirits of the righteous made perfect, those who've gone before us. I mean, it's, it's, it's from, it is from that that we get the phrase in our liturgy, what? Therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, so that when we gather here to celebrate the Eucharist together, we have the sense that this room is literally packed with the presence of God. And even though all we see is like wood and flags and Christian symbols, what's really happening is far more important than anything that we can visually see. That God is doing something, gathering a group of people together, including those who have gone before us, angels and archangels, as we literally see time and eternity come together in the gift of the bread. There are times when that just knocks me off my feet. That really... You'd include us in something so extraordinary as that. You see, it is the temptation of the enemy for you to live a life that is so predictable that it finally becomes boring. God is never boring. He may be a lot of things, but boring he is not. Now, the shoe's on the other foot in the gospel reading because you have this contrast, again, not dissimilar to Hebrews, between the leader of the synagogue and what the leader of the synagogue wants to do as opposed to what Jesus wants to do. Jesus is there. He's the son of Israel. He's teaching in the synagogue. But what he's doing as he teaches, and you read the scriptures, is that he's, there's always this contrast. It was said, but now I say to you, In other words, he's teaching a lot about what the kingdom of God is really like and who God is. He is absolutely unabashed. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so that's the kind of thing that he is teaching. And and in the middle of all of that, a woman shows up who is completely bent over. We would say that she probably had something like scoliosis. But Jesus does something that they do not expect. I mean, and it's shocking, honestly. Number one, he's very clear about the fact that the source of this woman's illness is, in fact, demonic. And while that would lead the listeners to conclude, oh, that means she's cursed by God. She sh- maybe should need her. And in a time where the men sat in one place, And the women sat in another place, actually front and behind. He crossed through the men to where the women are, went straight to her and said, daughter of Israel. In other words, we're not going to let this stand. And literally lays hands on her 
you are being made well, is what it literally says in the Greek. And she pops right up. I've never seen that happen. I've seen a lot happen, but not that. And <laughs> instead of, and the people are just, they go nuts. They're so thrilled. I mean, you would. I mean, suppose there was somebody in your congregation. Let's call her Minerva. Minerva is 85 years of age. Minerva has been bent over through arthritis and scoliosis and the like for 20 years so that now she's, she's way bent like this. She comes into a service of worship. Somebody lays hands on her and she's sitting, she's sta- sitting upright. It would bring the service to a standstill. People would be so excited about what's happening. But look what happens to the leader of the synagogue. The leader of the synagogue is outraged. You see, he understands his job as to keep things orderly, to do what is expected of the people when they gather together in worship. And so he says, in some ways, really the lamest sort of thing. It's like, we got six days here where people can come and get prayed for, as it were. She should be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, oh, come on. He says, look, hypocrite. Even on the Sabbath day, you take the time to do work. Because you get up, you go outside, you untie them from where they've been the night before, you walk them over, see, and that literally, according to the law, is work. Yep, when you walk a certain distance beyond that, you're not just walking, you're working. And you walk them over to where the water is to make sure that they're fed and they're watered. So why is it that those animals are more important than this daughter of Abraham? And the answer is, they're not. And the leader of the synagogue, it says, was ashamed of what happened to him, even is the people were rejoicing. Now, all of that is a, a way to look at us to say, are you, can you be open in your life for God to do things in you that you never expected? To, in fact, be surprised. To be willing for there to be more in your life than the predictability of what it is that you present, presently know, both about God and about yourself. Because, I don't know about you, because even though I've studied the Bible for a long time and preached and taught most of the scripture, actually, I always come upon something and I go, I've never seen that before. And the other thing that happens literally again and again in a way that I think is just fun, honestly, is that something happens in my day where all of a sudden... Something new cracks open. It might be an unexpected phone call. It could be a conversation with somebody that I've never met before. And all of a sudden, that becomes the agenda. That's the important thing that I know that God wants me to do. Just just yesterday, Mark was there, your rector. We had a conference for people who were interested in ministry. And there were probably some people who were coming, and it's very preliminary. It's like, come and see a look-see, look and what's it really like to be ordained? And you have people who present, and you almost never have any kind of deep interaction with the participants. And in fact, it's sort of like they're just shopping at the mall. Um, They're not interested in heavy conversation. They're just trying to figure out whether it's something they want to do or not and pursue further. There's time for in-depth conversations later. 
<laughs> but what happened was, as I was speaking up front, and others were too, because we were a group of us were across, uh, you know, sitting behind a table as a panel. Different people were asking. I noticed there was one particular person there who was paying extraordinary attention. I thought, hmm, what's that about? And making notes. So when we broke, and at that point we were breaking for lunch, I walked over and introduced myself. Started asking questions. It's the most incredible story about a young man who had gone to Liberty University. He had gotten a master's in divinity at Liberty University. And one of his assignments at Liberty in his master's degree was to call and interview local pastors just to see what it was really like. And he lives in Merritt Island. So he started calling various clergy over there. Well, he hit Gary Jackson, who's the rector at St. Mark's Coco. He was so impressed by what he wrote, he said, I want to come and talk to you. So he goes and meets with Gary Jackson. He was profoundly struck by Gary's sort of natural humility, which is absolutely true, Gary Jackson. And long story short, he literally switched churches and started going to St. Mark's, like about a year or so ago. And now he's showing up at the conference on ministry, interested in the possibility of ordination. And we, within a matter of to, to hear, it became an extraordinary in-depth conversation. And I thought to myself, this is one of the reasons I was here today. And it doesn't happen to be even within a church context. I told a story yesterday about really an incredible life-changing moment I had talking to a woman at the Circle K convenience store. You see, you never know. But the question is to be willing for God to shift the things that are going on in your life and to be open to some, something that he might want to do in and through you. And it doesn't matter. You can say all you want, your version of, oh, I'm only a boy, or you could say, oh, I'm not really sure all that I believe. Oh, I really don't know how I'm feeling today. Oh, I've got so much to do. I don't have time to take on anything else. No surprises today, please, God. God, you know, God goes, I've got something anyway. And he opens the door, and then you do have a choice. The choice is, will you step in and be available, or will you just keep going? With the woman at the convenience store, it was really early. I mean, like six or so. And I'm chatting with her, and I said, actually, it was kind of an innocent question. How early did you have to get up to show up here this morning? Oh, well, I have to get up at 4.30 because I need to make the time to pray and read my Bible before I come to work. Ah. And there we go. You see, you never know what the Lord is going to do next. It may be somebody coming and noticing the fact that when you sit down at a restaurant, you join hands and give thanks to God for the food in public, and somebody comes and talks to you about that, because not everybody does that, right? In fact, not even all Christians do. Or it could be a whole host of things. The question is, are you going to be available for the opportunity that God sets before you? Is that we pray that the church, St. Edward's Mount Dora, would be gathered in unity and, and here's the important phrase, show forth your power among all people. That's an out there action. That's not an inside action. That's an out there action. 
And how that actually happens is for you and me say, saying today, when I go to the Publix, is there something that you want me to do there besides just get my groceries? Sometimes it's not. You just go about your day, and it's all right. There's no sin in that. But sometimes, if you're looking for it especially, God will open a door, whether it be at the Publix or whether it's the Wawa or the, you name it, just the normal places you go, meeting people that you see, and an opportunity arises for you to say something about Jesus. And that's an intentionality. So you don't say, I'll be thinking about you. Any pagan can say that. You say, I'll pray for you. And if you're really bold, is there anything specifically you'd like me to pray for? And if you're even bolder still, you say, may I pray for you now? In other words, how much do you, how much do you want to step in? The, I find that the Lord is extraordinarily adventurous. Because you see, all people matter. It's not somehow that we're the insiders and that God is pouring out special favor on us and he loves us more than he does the person working at the coffee shop downtown. No, 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 they're just as precious and wonderful and delightful in his eyes and others as well to be available to say something, particularly when the woman working at the coffee shop thinks that she's at loose ends and doesn't know what's going to happen next. And so when you just raise the smallest of things, she's so darn hungry to communicate to somebody. She says things that she kind of lets slip in a way, but it's that desire that she has to connect. Will you respond when that happens? How else will we honor the thing that we just prayed about being available to shore forth your power, Lord, among all people, not just people who look like us. It has an, it's an individual decision that we make in the places where we go, no matter where that is, to be available for God to use us. In some ways, that's what this group of people is saying in confirmation because they're committing themselves as servants to a life of service, whatever God asks of them. And any of you in the room who have been confirmed, whether you realize it or not, that's what you are committing to as well. And all of us will say, when the time comes, I will with God's help, because we need God's help. So I would urge you, if you want a predictable confirmation service this morning, you might get it because you won't have the eyes to see what it is that he's doing. But if you're willing to say yes in your heart to the invitation to be one of those people that God chooses to use, I promise you, your eyes will be opened in new ways. You will hear things in conversations, even from strangers that you didn't expect. God will give you the insight to be able to step in. Even if it's not who you are by nature, God had to work something in me to give me this kind of freedom to be able to talk to people. I would never, ever have talked to strangers. But the Lord will use you as you find a way to continue to say yes. So my plea, and in fact, to take us up on that which we are already praying, that God would use us and that Mount Dora especially 
would know that there is a group of people here in this community that are willing for God to use them wherever they are. No church could have a better reputation than that. May it be us. Amen. Now we're going to have a scene change. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.